The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information on our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I'm so grateful to be here this morning and to have be able to sing such incredible truths, such incredible truths as that. Um, I want to invite you, we have a beautiful text this morning, uh, so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, grab them, and we're going to pick up where we left off in the book of Titus this morning, and uh, we're actually going to be in Titus chapter 2. I'm going to do my best to finish Titus chapter 2. We're going to start in, in verse 11. As you're getting there, we have talked so much, church, about through our time in this book, about our relationship with the world. Our relationship with the world, um, that we're not called as Christians to kind of head for the hills, run and hide, get away from those heathens. We're not called to do that. We're also not called to just go and embrace it and become like them, to become like the heathens. We're not called to do that either. We have this balance that we have talked about to to be in the world and not of it. In fact, we've called, we've we've, um, identified this even more of we're not of this world through Jesus Christ, but yet we are sent into it for Jesus Christ. And we have this relationship, and that's what we've been talking about, what that looks like. So we had the, the joy of going, taking church to the park a couple weeks ago, and we talked about our call to bring what we call the shalom to our communities, if you remember that. Then last week, Paul, his own verbiage, and I love this, he says, in everything, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So in all things, adorn the gospel. This is our call, and this is the way we are to live in this world and not of it. And this morning, we get the privilege of pushing that even further, even deeper. So we're going to be in verse 11, and I want to jump in. We got some work to do with this one. Um, And I love the way that this begins. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For the grace of God has appeared. Church, yes, it has. (laughs) A better way to say this is, yes, He has. Jesus Christ is the grace of God with flesh on. In other words, when Jesus appeared, grace appeared. Amen? When he appeared, grace became flesh and dwelt among us. I know John, he says, the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, listen to this. He says, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace Grace upon grace. In Christ, we have seen grace. And here in our text, Paul is reminding this church, look, I know we are broken. I know we have sinned. But remember on whom we stand. Remember that in all of our attempts to get to God, God has stepped down to us. Remember 
that he took our sin, he bore our punishment. And remember, he, he did that not because anything we did to earn it, but he did it because of the love of God, the perfect love of God. Remember that he did it, not because we have been good, not because we are good, not because we will be good, and not even because we might be good, but he did it because he is good. And in his goodness, he chooses to give grace to sinners, to bring salvation to sinners. Paul says, grace has appeared. Praise God, grace has appeared. And what does Paul say? He says, bringing salvation for all people. I couldn't help but remember that scene in Revelation where it says that it's this throne room scene where we're all are gathered around the throne and, and God's word says that people from all nations and tribes and tongues, all peoples gathered around Christ worshiping the one who is worthy. Grace is given to all peoples and people from all peoples are gathered around the giver of grace. This beautiful scene praising Christ because grace has appeared. And remember what came before this as we kind of springboard into our text. Remember that we're coming off of a text where Paul is saying, live out the gospel. Older men pour into younger men. Older women pour into younger women. Bond servants. This is the way we live the gospel. As Paul says, this is the way we adorn the gospel. And why? Why do we do this? Because or for grace has appeared. In other words, it's not to earn grace because grace that is earned is not grace. By the way, it's a wage, and we know what our wages are according to Scripture. That the Scripture says the wages of what we bring to the table is death. That's what we earned. But Paul says adorn the gospel, not to earn grace, but adorn the gospel with our lives because of grace, because grace has appeared. It's a beautiful foundation for where we're going. And I want to get us to our key word this morning. Our key word says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us. Training us. We're going we're gonna to settle a little bit on this. I love this word because I think this word explains so much. Training us. Um, there are three things I want to kind of unpack with this word. One is training is challenging, not easy. Training is continual, not one time. And training is purposeful and not aimless. I want to unpack each of those. Let's do with the first one is that training is challenging, not easy. In some ways, this is kind of a no-brainer, but it must be said because I think we forget it. In the moment, training is not easy. Discipline is not easy. If it were, we would all be trained and we would all be disciplined. <laughs> but it's not. I don't know if you've ever trained for something. If you have, you know that not every time you get out for a train, training session is it sunshine and butterflies. I know that sometimes the commercials make it seem like it is. But anyone who's ever trained for anything, you know that not every training session is glamorous or easy. Any 5 a.m. morning run in the cold is not glamorous. It's not pleasant in the moment, but it's a part of the journey. 
and with discipline, with training, we're not working for the present moment. We're working for future fruit. Hebrews 12, you don't have to turn with me here, but verse 2 of Hebrews 12 says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. No brainer. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What's Discipline is not to feel great in the moment or instant gratification. Discipline, training, is about the later, about that fruit that's going to be produced. Let's just take this in, because this is the word that Scripture uses to describe your life in Christ. There's a myth, I think, that... um, And I've heard this before, that I think we fall into the trap of thinking sometimes that when we come to Jesus, our life is going to be easy. It's going to be magical. It's going to be, he wants to take away your physical pain, your relational pains, your financial pains, and he wants you to live this pain-free life for his glory. That's false. (laughs) It's false. And I don't mind telling you that because it leads a lot of people to a lot of disappointment. His plan for you is better than that. He wants to discipline you for his glory. He wants to train you in righteousness for his glory. You know what we call a runner who signs up for a marathon and who thinks that every moment of every training is going to be easy, painless, effortless, no discomfort, no exertion, no pain. Do you know what we call that runner? Delusional. Delusional. Because the journey is going to involve some discomfort because training is not easy, it is challenging. And when you and I face things in our life and when we face challenges, it does not mean that our God is not here and not there with you. It does not mean that your God does not love you. Church, it means that your God is there and that he is alive and active in your life and he loves you enough to grow you. To grow you into the man, the woman that he created you to be. Training is challenging, it's not easy. Let's move to the next one. More than that, training is continual. Not a one and done thing. What I mean by this is that it's, it's not that you're untrained, you hit the gym, and now you are trained. I wish it was like that. It's not. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not. It's not a boom, trained. Now, we get this physically. I mean, we get this. We understand that the athletes we watch on TV didn't just hit the gym that one time to make them who they are and make them as strong or fast or whatever as they are. We understand that it wasn't just that they put in that really amazing workout that one time and now they are good to go. Like we get that. We we get that. We know that it is an ongoing, continual training that they go through and development to get them ready. We get this for physical training. We get this for athletes. But do we miss this when we think about our training in the gospel? 
It's not that God is punishing us as he's allowing us to walk through trials. It's not that God does not love us. No, church, it's because he loves you. It's not that he is punishing us in his wrath. He is training us in his love. And I think sometimes we forget the truth of James 1, 2. This is counted all joy, my brothers, when you, when you meet trials of various kinds. And it's not because you're crazy or masochistic. No, it's because, he says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, lacking in nothing. We can forget that steadfastness and endurance, that's not a one-time thing. It's about the long haul. Training is continual. And as a follower of Jesus, we are called to a life of ongoing training in righteousness so that we can adorn the gospel. Just like an athlete, your training's not done. No matter how old you are, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you don't know, how long you've been following Jesus, your training is continual until the moment you see Jesus face to face, you are being trained. God is not done loving you, and so God is not done training you. So training is challenging, not easy. It is continual, not a one-and-done kind of thing. But the third thing is that it is purposeful, not aimless. Purposeful. This is really important. Do you know how a, a, a lifter, a weightlifter, can lift insane, just insane amounts of weight instead of being crushed by it, and how they can do it and keep great form and make it look somewhat easy? I mean, you see some of the guys, and it's like the bar is bending, and they're not. Like, do you know how a runner is able to run for crazy amounts of miles and do it so fast? And, and, and when you watch them, it's like they're, they're smiling, you know how they do that? It's because they train little by little. They add pounds little by little. They add miles little by little. They increase their mileage. They increase their pace little by little. You can probably tell I'm not a weightlifter. But I do love cycling and running. I love it. And, and one of my favorite things about both cycling and running is when you sign up for a race, a marathon, a ride, whatever, when you sign up for something, I... I sign up for these races and rides that when I sign up for them, I cannot physically do what I'm signing up for. That's kind of awesome. Like when I'm signing up, I'm like, I, I, I don't have this right now. If this were today, I could not do it. And I love this because when you sign up, then you start your training. You start increasing your miles and slowly increasing your pace, and over days and weeks and months, you find yourself in a place where, because of the training, you are now able to do what you could not do. It's, it's little by little. It's progressive. It's training that has a purpose, that moves us forward. It's not aimless. It has a goal. Our training in response to the gospel, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be one and done. And it's not without purpose. 
our training in, in Christ is challenging at times. It's going to stretch us. It's going to grow us daily. But it has a goal. It has an aim, as, as James says, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Your training, every moment of it, is worth it. What you go through is not in vain because God loves you. We read Hebrews 12, 2 a little bit ago. Um, a few verses down says the statement that God, the Lord, disciplines the one he loves. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. You are loved by God, and God disciplined, disciplines those he loves. So Paul says, because grace has appeared, because grace, the grace of God through Jesus Christ has appeared, we are being trained. And that training, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's not going to be a one and done kind of thing. And it's not aimless. That training is challenging, continual, and it has a purpose. And now Paul's going to reveal the content of that training. Listen to this. Two things. To renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. I want to look at the first part first, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. I don't want us to take this word renounce lightly. So renounce is, to renounce something is to just disown that thing, to, to sever association with it, to deny it, to repudiate it, to disown, to refuse to pay attention to it, to disregard. That's what it means to renounce renounce. I think this is, I want to give you an example. This is a really powerful example. It's not original to me. I heard this a while ago from a pastor that I thought was just, that sums it up. But have you ever watched the Animal Channel and um, seen those shows where people go against all common sense and they, they work with wild and extremely dangerous, dangerous animals to try to like tame them, crazy, Just absolutely crazy. Um, but there was one show where a trainer was, uh, one particular show where he's working with a lion. And, and he, they had been working with this lion since it was a cub, and um, they would be able to come up to it, even pet it. And then one day, they had a really close call because to the surprise of everyone, this lion attacked and, and almost really hurt them, almost even killed them. And they were interviewing them, and, and they were just shocked that this would ever happen, that this lion just surprised them, did not see this coming, right? Can we just step back and see the absurdity of what we just witnessed on this show? Just, they're petting an apex predator. They're snuggling up with this massive beast of an animal that, that has the ability and the instinct to kill them for food, right? And, and they're gently rubbing the back of this animal who is referred to as the king of the jungle, and he's, it's referred to the king as the king of the jungle for a reason, And they're just surprised when this apex predator acts like an apex predator. Didn't see it coming. They should have. They should have seen that one coming. 
But is that not exactly what sin is like? We get close to it. We work hard to tame it. We work to try to get it under control. We even enjoy its company and we snuggle it. And then we get absolutely shocked when it causes destruction and disaster. We get absolutely shocked when we are hurt by it. Sin wants to destroy you. Ungodliness and worldly passions. This is the road that leads to destruction, to hurt. It wants to kill you, so renounce it. Don't try to tame it. Don't try to control it. Pet it. Snuggle it. Use it for your good. Renounce it. Disclaim it. Disclaim all association with it. Deny it. This is not a passive thing. This is an active thing. It breaks my heart as a pastor when I can't tell the difference between those who claim to know Jesus and those who don't. When Christians look just like the world, it breaks my heart because that's not what it looks like to renounce something. That's not what training looks like. And don't, don't miss this, because remember what we said about training. It's ongoing, and it's not easy. It's hard. Listen, worldliness, ungodliness is never going to stop pushing against you. So you can never stop pushing back. It creeps and slowly creeps in, and here's what this means. We don't renounce, and then we're done. We don't renounce that one time, and then we're done. No, we are being trained to continually renounce, to continually push back against what is dark, Because the world continually pushes against us, we continually push against that which is dark. Worldliness and ungodliness is all the things that go against God's word, his will, and his design. We are called to proclaim his word, his will, his design. And by doing that, we push back against those things that go against his word, his will, and his design. The other side of our training, though, is not only to renounce the worldliness, but Paul says to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Self-control is all throughout this letter. We've seen it so many times already. It's kind of the marker of the Christian life because it is so countercultural. So countercultural. But this is what the Spirit of God does in us. He produces self-control in us for His glory. And again, what is, what is the key word? Training. And again, training is not easy. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. Just as worldliness continues to push its way into our lives and we constantly wander, the flesh in us continues to just produce selfishness, and it takes constant training to push against that. In other words, you and I, 
are not going to accidentally fumble our way, trip our way into godliness. We don't default and fumble our way into godliness. The same way an athlete, an elite athlete, doesn't just mistakenly trip his way into being an elite athlete. It takes training. We are trained in godliness. And that training is challenging, continual, but that training church has a purpose. And I, and I want to come back to this. We started with this, but I want to come back to this. We don't train ourselves in order to receive God's grace. That's work-based salvation, and that is not our purpose. Our purpose is so much better. We train ourselves because we have already received the grace of God. Grace has appeared. And because of that, we train for the purpose of adorning the gospel. Because of that, we train for the purpose of growing in our faith and, and our likeness of Christ. We train so that we can, as we said, better bring shalom to our community. Because we have been justified through Christ, we are now being sanctified in Christ. That's training. This morning is a call for all of us to, to come back to our training. How is God teaching you and training you this morning? None of us are done. We're all somewhere in our training program. What is he doing and teaching? How is God shaping you? Where are you this morning in your training? Because you're somewhere. You're not done. And listen, you know what helps when training gets really difficult and really hard and you want to stop and that load gets heavy? It helps when you're able to look up and look ahead to the purpose of all the training. It helps when you can look to the future hope and keep your eyes fixed ahead. See, Hebrews 12.2 says, For at the moment, all discipline, it seems painful. This is not pleasant. But it's not for the moment. It's for the future. And so Paul in our text says this, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. When the training gets heavy, we look ahead and we know that our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is coming again. And all things will be made right. I, I think of the text in Revelation. Revelation 3 that paints a picture in really vivid detail of what this hope looks like. It says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. That is our hope. That is what we look 
up and look forward to. In Christ, we know grace. In Christ, we know hope. So we train in godliness with our eyes fixed on that. On Christ, who Paul says, gave himself to redeem us from all unrighteousness. Who gave himself to redeem us from all unrighteousness. Not some, not most of it, but all of it. And he gave himself. He was not taken. It was given. Christ gave himself to redeem us. And it's not only that. It's not only redemption. But look at the way our text ends. It says, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous of good works. I love this language. Because it's not only that Christ gave himself to redeem us from all that lawlessness and worldliness. It's not only that we're no longer slaves to sin because of Jesus. It's no longer that it's not only because we are now redeemed in him, but now for those who are redeemed, you are being purified. I'm reminded of Peter's words in, in 1 Peter 1. It says, In this rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is that the Lord may purify us for His good, or for our good, for His glory, this is God's plan for your life in Christ, to not only redeem you, but to purify you, to not only justify you, but to sanctify you. And I want to highlight just one more word in our text. It's in that last line. It says, our blessed hope, the appearing of, of the glory and of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, listen to this, who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Zealous means earnestly committed. You're an enthusiast for good works. This is not like a, woe is me, I have to do good today or God won't love me. This is not apathy or indifference. This is a people who are committed to good works, not because we're saved by them, but because we have been saved and we are created to do them. And I want to finish our time by reading Ephesians chapter 2. And I just want, as I read this, I just want you to take this, this in with me. This is a reminder. This is what God says about you. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Pause. That was you. That's that worldliness. That's that godliness that Paul was talking about. That was once you. That was once your condition. 
But church, as Paul says, grace appeared. Paul says in, in, in Ephesians, but God, but the grace of God appears, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness, of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is grace, not works, church. Grace, not works. But let's see what Paul says about those works. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I hope you hear this because Scripture is so clear about this. You're not, sa- you, you're not saved by works. You are saved by grace through faith. You have been saved by grace through faith, and now you are being trained and purified to walk in godliness, to do good works, as Paul says, to adorn the gospel, to bring shalom. No matter who you are, where you are this morning, I want to call you to the hope we have in Jesus. We started this morning and said, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. If you have not responded to the gospel, if you have not responded in faith to Christ, I want to call you to the hope that we have in Jesus, to come to Jesus, because there is a grace that is beyond our comprehension. Grace has appeared, and there is salvation in Christ. Come to Christ. For all of us who are here who have responded in faith to the gospel, listen to me, your training's not done. It's not done, not yet. I know it's challenging that life can be hard. I know that you're going through things that will stretch you. But God has not abandoned you. You are being trained, and this training is daily. God is not done making you more like Jesus. So church, no matter where you are, what you're going through, no matter what your life is like right now, your training has a purpose. This is not all for nothing because our God is both sovereign and good. Those he redeems, he purifies. Those he justifies, he sanctifies. Those he saves, he trains. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you have saved us by your grace. We know that we cannot and we will not, we would not ever, ever be able to qualify. We know that we are all sinners. We know this not only because the word of God, not only does your word tell us that, but we know that to be true about us. We know this. And we know apart from your grace, you would be just in condemning each and every one of us. But as Ephesians said, as we just read, as Titus 2 says, but grace has appeared. We are grateful for that. 
Lord, for anyone who's in this room who's not responded in faith to the gospel, I pray that you, your spirit, would move, would lead, would call in a way that's only you. And Lord, I, uh, I pray that for, for all of us here who might be tempted to say, yeah, that message is good for that other person. Yeah, they need training. Yeah, they're getting lazy. I pray that you would help us to not shift our focus outward, but Lord, through your spirit, that you would search our heart. That you would show us that you're not done with us. You're not done training us. And Lord, that through the training, we know that although it is difficult, we know that it is not without purpose. We know that your word says that you discipline those whom you love. We are loved by you. So Lord, as we leave this place, I just pray that you would show us how you are growing us. That you would cause us to be strengthened in our walk. And that we would do all of this because grace has appeared in response to the gospel. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. You are worthy. It is only in Christ that we can proclaim this message. It's in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, amen.